When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Okay, so this was a thought that I had in the middle of the night. We know that facts are deadly. We know that. We know that it, they mean absolutely nothing, whether it's New York, whether it's the Depression, whether it's Elizabethan England, none of these things make any difference unless they're fed through your imagination and become the experience of the facts. But this is where I think we have a tendency to get bollocked up. We have missed a clear definition of what the imagination is. If we're not careful, we misdefine the word imagination and think it only has to do with our use of imagination rather than something I've used before, which is an educated imagination. You have to be careful that your imagination is not limited to just your experience. You don't know about the period, and so you get information about the period. Then when you take the facts and feed it through your imagination, on the road to getting the experience of the facts, it's more educated. Is that too complicated? In other words, what happens is, what I find most of the time, is that actors report facts. Uh, this all comes out of, I, I don't know who it was, Uda, somebody's five questions. Who am I? Where am I? What do I want? What will happen if I don't get what I want? Why did my agent get me this job? Uh, so it, anyway, whatever these questions are, and the the idea is that if you can answer these questions, you can then act it. I, I have even often, uh, as I watched other classes, other places, people would say, okay, so... Uh, say the action before you do it. And so what people would do is report the action. I mean, it was so weird. I, I, I sat in a class once. Fortunately, it was in New Zealand, and it was a teacher that it was a colleague. And I said to him later, I, I, I said, John T., you're, you're missing the point here. Because what they, they'd say, they'd be in a scene and they'd say, to confront and then they'd confront, and I said, no, no, you're missing the point. You, it, the way you say it is the way you'll do it. This is really important. Well, with all of this, and my God, if you could act with only five questions, imagine how fantastic that would be. But the idea is that you are answering the question, not reporting the answer to the question, but rather the experience experience of the answer to the question. So the answer to the question doesn't have to be so complicated. As long as we get a sense 
of your experience of the answer to that question. And of course, for Stella's suggestion is you feed it through your imagination. You take a fact, New York, and you feed it through your imagination. It's the most magical city in the world. It's, it is the center of the universe. It's where everyone goes to evaluate whether or not they measure up to life. Now I have the experience of the word New York, not just reporting, oh, it takes place in New York. So uh, my biggest concern was that we misinterpret the idea of feeding it through the imagination because we think all we have to use is us. And in expanding ourselves, educating ourselves, being aware of the timeline, being aware of whatever it is, it becomes, the, our imagination becomes more useful because it's educated. And it really applies to everyone. It's the reason it's so important that you're aware of the timeline and what was happening at various moments of civilization. So that that was really that was one of the issues that woke me up in the middle of the night just the idea that we have to be very careful that we don't overly simplify the idea of the imagination or we we will think it's only about us and what our lives are so does that make sense walker <laughs> Absolutely. It actually, I mean, I'm thinking about it and it's almost like as you become more educated, everything broadens about your perspective on life. And it, it's almost like what you learn then becomes part of your imagination. Yes. In a way. Yes. Yes. It, it may not, ha it, it may not have happened to you, but it's part of your understanding of, of the world. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you expand. There is a moment, I, I'm telling you, there's a moment we don't know where you stop and the character begins. That line between the two is erased. It's just like you own the experience, uh, which I think is really exciting. It, I, you know, to me, that's the joy of acting. It's, it's that you get to do that. But we haven't talked a lot about the period of your photographer. But if you think about it, if we know what else is being done at that period, then he has a perspective about where he fits in. And that's helpful. He knows where he fits in in the, in the scheme of things. He knows what other people were doing. I mean, that's the reason we have movements. I mean, my God, if you think about it, we all know about the Impressionist movement in Paris in, in the early 20s. It's like, oh, yes, there was Monet and Manet and Picasso and Brock and Montigliani. And this, so there was this whole kind of movement. And so it begins to tell you something, something that was going on. And so it helps you. So if you're playing... Uh, a painter from that period, you're aware of it. You're aware of other painters. 
one of the reasons Edward Albee became so famous in the 50s in America is because we were desperately looking for someone to compete with the Europeans. I mean, there was Samuel Beckett, and there was Ionesco, and there was Jean-Paul Sartre. And so there were all of these people that were revolutionaries in Europe. We had no one in America. And then fortunately, Edward Albee came along. And so we were like, oh, thank God. So, you know, but you un you sort of understand things. When I, I'm obsessed sometimes with Strindberg, and what I realized about Strindberg when I was doing research about Strindberg, who was in the late 1800s, it was the time of Freud. It was the time of the free love move movement in Sweden, and Strindberg is Swedish. So you're saying, oh, I get it. I get what's going on in the world, and my dude is a reflection of a mentality that exists. This helps me get to this mentality because I know what else is going on. So that was my thought. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so in summary, basically, perhaps Wesley will join us for the summary. <laughs> There are very few people that are loved as much as you, Wesley. <laughs> that was amazing. No, but it just, it, it really hit me because I, I there's so, it takes so much to put together all the pieces of acting. And we live our lives with so damn many bumper stickers. You know, facts are death to the, uh, to the actor until they're put through the imagination and become the experience of the facts. And so you say, wow, that's so great. But it's not just your imagination. It is because you have expanded. You have looked elsewhere. Um, it's sort of like uh, last night at my choral society, John McClay, who's my choral director, uh, was doing kind of a, a lecture about music and what music looks like and what it used to look like before it became mechanical, when it was done by hand. Uh, and it was beautiful. And then he started talking about uh, artwork. And he was talking, many years ago, we sang the Haydn creation, and he, was, he showed us a, an image of an art, a piece of art that he felt represented Haydn's creation. And then it reminded me that when I was working on a monologue from uh, about Thomas a. Beckett from the T.S. Eliot play Murder in the Cathedral, Stella sent me to St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, because she wanted me to sense Gothic architecture if I was going to play a priest. And so, as you can imagine, I entertained a lot of people by standing in the aisles in between the pews at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, standing there with this Gothic architecture, soaring 30 stories above me, saying, our hearts are torn from us, our brains unskilled like the layers of an onion, ourselves are lost in final fear which none understands. And so I'm sitting there in the midst of Gothic architecture, and I, I, I can't even tell you how many people converted that day. But with all of that, you, you see, we have all of these things that we can use to help our imagination, to educate our imagination, so that we are not just 
and I hate to use the word stuck, but we're not just stuck with ourselves. And it's helpful. It's helpful to say, so I'm playing a guy who was Prince Charming in the cartoon of Cinderella. I pointed out to Wesley that when Cinderella came out, I mean, we, you know, it was only the second feature that was a cartoon. I mean, before that, cartoons were like, I don't know, Felix the Cat or Mickey Mouse that were before a feature at a movie. And I don't know how long they were. I can't remember. But they were like five or six minutes, and that was it. And that was a cartoon. Now, here was this whole thing. And, and by the way, it was long before CGI. I mean, it was fantasy. I mean, this is before CGI. So it allowed fantastical things to happen. And it allowed for pumpkins to turn into carriages and mice to turn into white horses. And so all of this, I mean, you can imagine the effect it had on people. It was just like, it was the first time that we had fantasy outside of our heads. I mean, you could read about it and then you could do it. But, but Walt Disney was amazing. He had given us this fantasy in, in this phenomenal sort of way. And it was the first, but you see, as you start to talk about it and see what's going on, now all of a sudden it comes to life. Your imagination begins to flourish. You begin to see something. Then you have a play. Because the fact is, I played Prince Charming in Walt Disney's cartoon, Cinderella. It is a dead piece of information. If I only feed it through my imagination, it's going to be limited. It's going to be limited because, you know, Wesley lives in 2020. He's had an iPhone that can turn people into cartoons easily. He grew up on video games. This is before video games. So imagine there was no such thing as a video game. So nobody went flying through the sky. So your imagination is not going to be so helpful in playing this character. It's, it's just not going to be so helpful because you come from a world, for better or for worse, that's more technically savvy than this world was. But you can see how if you look at the facts that exist in the time frame, it stimulates your imagination. And so then your imagination comes to life. So that's what's really important about it, is, is that you are not so reliant on yourself. You have everything to choose from. I Don't Need an Acting Class is hosted and created by Milton Justice. Senior producer is me, Walker Vreeland, and director of online media is Evan Sollers. Music by Jeffrey Kieser Trio, May This Be Love, from their album On My Way to You. If you have a moment, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. And uh, if you would like to send an email, if you have a question for Milton, you can do so at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Another way to get in touch is on Instagram at I don't need an acting class. 
Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you back here next week. 